Hello and welcome to Loopholes episode 29, mm. your weekly... <laughs> what was that? <laughs> what was oh, that you Early did? 30, but not quite. <laughs> I see. You threw me slightly off my swing there a little bit. <laughs> I wasn't expecting, mmm, halfway <laughs> Just, through. You know, Ooh, nearly the big 3-0. Welcome to Loopholes episode 29, your weekly esoterotic chat between myself, Ian Bowlesworth, and... Me, Kate Cheryl. Hello. Hello there, how's your day been? It's been a day. It's been a day and I was present. Why are you being cagey? Not cagey. You're being cagey from the off. <laughs> I think I'm more processing it. There was a, a coronation street party right. on my mother's street, and okay. because... I am part of that family. I showed my face at the street party. Right. And I survived it. And I think, really, that that means that I deserve several medals and a pat on the back. That is my own fault for asking, though. I know, I know, I know that many, many listeners will be jealous that they weren't sat on a street corner in a camping chair with 30 old people surrounded by plastic bunting. But, you know, sometimes the showbiz life just chooses me. We've lived very different lives today, you and I. Yeah. Because I've been building stroke rebuilding a full-size stormtrooper. Yes. I've been hacking into his legs like misery live with wood all (laughs) over the place. And you've been to a coronation street party. Yes. And I think it's quite apt because I'd like to do something a little bit different today. Okay. Vive la différence with you and I, mm-hmm. but something happened last week. I noticed it specifically in the edit. I imagine people have noticed it themselves when they listen to the podcast. Very low on comments last week, by the way. Feels like a dream come true in many ways. In other ways, it's a pain. Did we hurt you? <laughs> I would imagine... Okay? Well, I would guess that people did what I did and just mm. tapped out of it. That it was like heavy science and yeah. just a bit like, I don't, I don't know what this is. Like I didn't know what it was. You didn't know what it was. <laughs> I was telling you, I didn't know, no. Yeah. I yeah. did a hell of a lot of research, though. <laughs> so maybe it was that. I know you did, of course you did. But slightly different this week. We will do the comments from last week next week. Yep. But the thing that I noticed last week was Matt Ebbs asked a question. And what happened was, it was completely my fault. I answered it a bit. And then you and I got into a wrangle about whether religion was all right or not and, you know, yeah. practising religion and all that sort of thing, which yeah. invariably I'll go off on one. But I realised during the edit that we'd never come back. So you never gave your opinion on it, your statement on it. Mm-hmm. It turned into something that it wasn't meant to be, really, because of the nature of how you and I talk. So yeah. I thought we could address it again. And I should stay from the off as well that that means that this podcast is going to be potentially shorter and potentially death-heavy. And I know some people don't like death. I know. They do exist, those people. Yeah. Baffling. I know you're well into it. Oh, mega. But some people don't like talking about death and don't like hearing a discussion about death. So it will be that. That, that I think, is what will be going on here. But I think we do have very differing opinions on it, you and I. However, I think... I think this you and I are both okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's different avenues, but ultimately the same end point. Yeah. So Matt's question, Matt actually, Matt himself noticed, obviously, last week (laughs) that we hadn't answered it. (laughs) Uh, So the comment I'll read out, actually, let me read out Richard Shaw Wright's comments. I would never recant ectoplasm is the latest loopholes phrase. Perfect for a t-shirt is what Richard said. Unfortunately, the t-shirts were printed this week in a sort of a last minute scramble 
because there's going to be a change yeah. with the merch company. So there are loopholes t-shirts out there at the moment. You can see on the social media and on Patreons and all that sort of thing where you can have a look. Uh, but Matt Ebb said, I'm delving into a potentially dark topic here, so forgive me. But on the topic of belief in the esoterotic, giving some people comfort, could you elaborate on why it gives you more comfort to believe that people are completely gone when they die? Whilst I absolutely believe that, I'm with Kate, <laughs> insofar as that's part of the reason it's been so hard <laughs> sorry Matt <laughs> oh, for God's sorry. Sake. I'm really sorry <laughs> I don't know why that just well I do know why it tickled me <laughs> I'm with Kate insofar as that's part of the reason it's been so hard that was all Matt's comment was this way such a joke no, he said so, so hard to deal with each death that's happened I'm not saying you're, mm. you've not struggled with deaths you've faced of course also sorry if I'm taking this away from loopholes territory and a bit more into the therapy zone well Matt you get an hour all our listeners at some point get an hour's therapy from yeah. two unqualified therapists. <laughs> you up for doing that? Absolutely. I am keen and incompetent. My best state. It's my only state, that. So It's a lovely state to be in. Well, last week I spoke a bit about it. I can go back to that again at some point, but let's get Kate's side of it before we do anything. Right. Kate, death. Yes. Discuss. Yes. <laughs> Right, I want but... everything. I want everything. Death, give me everything. <laughs> well, just to focus on the afterlife, so not like kind of the lead up to it and that sort of thing. Personally, I think for me, believing in an afterlife and believing it's not so much the afterlife itself, it's believing in the immortality of the soul. So not necessarily the ego, but the soul, which I see as separate things, is very important to me. And I feel that comes from several different avenues. So there's, there's certainly the religious avenue, because as everyone knows, I was brought up with cycling several different denominations of Christianity. But mm. that belief in the afterlife has stayed constant. And the belief in an eternity in some incarnation without pain, without bodily form. So that is of great comfort to me, that people in a version of themselves live on and exist beyond the corporeal form but also i think there's there's a certain comfort as well that comes with not so much the afterlife with myself it's more other people it's a very selfish kind of therapy i get from a belief in the afterlife there's an important thing to differentiate with that actually because there mm. is a difference in how you feel about your own death to how yeah. you feel about the death of others that i can acknowledge that for definite there's yes, certainly a yeah. difference in how you feel about what's going to happen to you. And so, you know, the idea of me living for another 10 years, let alone an eternity, mm -hmm. leaves me cold. Exactly. and I, There's no comfort there. I get that. And I don't fully understand, if you hold that belief yourself, why it would be a comfort to think mm. you're putting other people through that. You know, that's the top and bottom, really, of what I believe and what yeah. I think. I know why I feel what I feel. Mm -hmm. I know the idea of living forever is horrible, just just yeah. ghastly to me. Yeah, and I wouldn't wish it on someone else either. So it wouldn't be a comfort to me. Yeah, I'd I'd say I'd separate like if we think of the idea of the afterlife and the immortal soul versus like vampires, that version of living forever. I can completely see that that would not be especially appealing. Mm. But again, that's another up for discussion because think of the reading you could do. But... Wait, is, is <laughs> um, there, this is important, is there money and admin to do in heaven? 
is there do you have to make money to have a comfortable existence and also do you need to do admin as well see that is you're gonna send me down so many different bizarre 19th century just answer the question (laughs) this is my entire belief system is based on this is going to be personally Mm. personally i don't believe that there is a, a heavenly economy right but if you believe some particularly some 19th century spiritualists and mediums they yeah. believe that there is a heavenly economy and that people Ugh. have jobs and wages and so forth and different Ugh. religious groups do as well Ugh. they believe that that <laughs> heaven is just a, a secondary earth that's you know just a bit shinier and you know more heavenly <laughs> but you still got to have a job like god dollars and stuff Can't, well, it's like monopoly in the sky Ugh. some people believe that what about dirty stuff? What about... Because I think some people are quite prissy about that. You know, some of the Christian people <laughs> get a bit prissy about dirty stuff. Is dirty stuff allowed up in heaven and that? Could you could you watch think... some dirty stuff or partake in it yourself? I think it depends on whose heaven you buy into. Can people have babies? If you if you are allowed dirty stuff, can people have babies in heaven or not? See, that's interesting, couldn't it? Because then the whole point of a soul is that it goes down to earth and then comes back up again. You yeah. can't just have a soul and keep it there. No. So, you know, you've, you've got to really look at the minutiae of this. You mean you haven't answered the question? You just confused me then. What? What? So. What? You confused me. You sent me down heaven dollar avenues. Can you have it <laughs> off in heaven? <laughs> Out of wedlock. Out of wedlock. Very important. Out of wedlock. Um. Well, I. It, de- it depends what you think. I think if you're just an intangible idea of a person, like yeah. a, a soul. Yeah. Can can gas have sex? I don't know. Can I'm an asking... intangible kind of thought? Have I'm sex? asking you. You're the doctor. Not in heaven. Oh, so you're not a doctor in heaven. So you're not. So it wouldn't be a transferable thing. No, I think I think it's like certain knighthoods. They don't you transfer. Lose, yeah, you lose your qualification yeah. once you go to heaven. Yeah, I think so. So I've got to really exploit them while I'm here. Okay, well maybe you'd be slightly more bearable than in heaven. Oh, thank you. Very kind. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, come on, that's a serious point. Matt's made a serious point. Um, yes, he has, thank you. Layering this a bit more in terms of the comfort aspects. So the the comfort idea of somebody when they're gone, they're gone. So to give mm-hmm. the, the full clarity of what I'm trying to say, my dad died mm-hmm. a couple of years ago now, and my dad had had an ace life, really. He'd done what he wanted to do to a fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd, uh, you know, he'd, he'd provided for a family. He'd got his house. He's got his job he retired from his job at the right age you know all all that sort of thing he did did it all conventional traditional and that was all he wanted then in the final years of his life he was poorly my dad you know like he Mm. was and even though he put an exceptionally brave face on it in fact he went through some awful operations and he went through some awful experiences which not long before he died he he expressed that he had no regrets about at all because you know Mm. i was always the opinion of my dad he was going to drop dead one day i said that to my mum many years ago he'll just drop one day when she was frustrated about him not going to hospital and all the like so eventually he did have you know had no choice but to go to hospital because he did drop but he didn't die and then uh over a period of time there was lots of medical things and as i say operations bloody 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 blah all that sort of stuff so the comfort i get from him being away as it were and Mm -hmm. in my eyes just not existing in anything but memory yes is well there's kind of a jocular vein to it and there's a serious vein to it It, you know the the main point of it is that he's not in pain now that he's not Mm. any memory of the pain now he's not 
and he, he's not having to introduce himself to new people in heaven and tell them <laughs> what's been yeah. going on at the hospital and all that sort of thing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's not um, able to see his family masturbate. <laughs> Should they wish to do such a thing? Not myself, of course. I wouldn't partake in such a filthy habit. But I know that, you know, people are people, aren't they? So there would be probably other members of my family who'd probably have an interfere in that. Just the idea of it being a a finality, an actual finality. Yeah. It seems to me to be... Do you know what? Even from a storytelling perspective, it's correct. (laughs) It's the end. Yeah. And I, I get that, especially when there's been so much physical physical suffering and physical pain, mm. to know that that has ended and that is not coming back is an enormous relief. To watch someone suffer for so long and then know that they're no longer suffering, regardless of what you believe happens after, if anything, that I think is pretty universal, is that although losing them and not having them in your life is horrid, knowing that if it was either having them in agony or having them you know, not at all, most sane people would would go for not at all but I, I certainly think that with with aspects like that in then believing that the soul separates from the body like the two are just not interconnected anymore the body's just a shell and the soul continues and doesn't have to get a job in heaven and reintroduce themselves and all that sort of thing I think that provides an enormous relief because I'd see it personally as they've gone through all this agony and now they're freed from it and they're in this this other realm that's free from pain, is softer, and they are them in their purest form. You know, them in, in their peak how they should be. I find that to be an enormous um an enormous comfort. And I think there's there's an, there's another aspect with me because I think with people who had, like I said before, very devoted lives. When I was saying about, I think we were really inferring it was like nuns and martyrs and that sort of thing. People that mm. have sacrificed, inverted commas, their lives. But to, to give a personal example, you know, my all my grandparents are gone now. But my one set of my grandparents, my granny had a, a lot of problems, a lot of mental problems for a very, very long time. And as a result, as I'm sure many people will know who are with someone who has very severe illnesses of any form it ultimately impacts the family around them and certainly the people that are trying to keep everyone upright and keep everyone going and my granddad was really that person he was you know a wonderful man and he spent his life kind of sacrificing his own best interests his own health his own well-being everything he sacrificed everything to keep her on the straight and keep her safe and keep everyone around him within the family supported. And so in believing that there's... And she, he died before her as well. So he didn't have any any years of not being henpecked or anything. But ultimately, I believe that worked out the, the best way because I ended up living with and caring for my granny for several years towards the end of her life. So I've got that kind of strange end-of-life care experience alongside my kind of death-based eternity ideas. But... Believing that my granddad has gone on somewhere else where he's free from that body, maybe he's at his peak once again, and he can just be himself, and my granny can be herself without that illness. It just seems right for me. That fits my little Lego brick idea of eternity, like 
they're freed from that, they're freed from all their pains and they they live on and therefore kind of what he went through, it was worth it in a way. And I know that's not necessarily a healthy way to look at anything in life, that if you invest so much and you suffer so much, it has to be worth it in the end. But I certainly feel like in that instance, believing that there's an eternity and believing that both of them are together in their best forms again, I find that to be a, a huge comfort. And I think if I didn't believe in that, because I was so close with my granny living with her and everything, I, I don't think I would have handled it at all. At all. If I so there's, there's a few things going on with that, which is mm. what, what I'm finding confusing about that as an idea is mm. the uh, when you said about and, and they're together in, let's say, Lucy's terms, in an afterlife, you know, they're yeah. reunited, etc., etc. So mm. that implies a, 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 a thought process, a tangibility, I suppose, to it that I think is mm. missing in some of the other ways that you explain it. So the idea of yeah. a soul or your, you know, your the best part of you and all that. I mean, mm-hmm. when you speak about being at your peak, that puts nothing but panic through me because I don't think I've had one. <laughs> like, because I think that would be a heavily judgmental environment. If everyone's at their absolute peak, yeah, then surely that'd be even worse than it is on the earth. Surely people will be going, <laughs> well, what, not, that, not physically. That, in your but... entire existence, <laughs> that was the best you managed physically. <laughs> I was, I was thinking so more sort of, you know, emotionally and in your happiest form, not necessarily yeah. in a... Again? I don't think, I don't <laughs> think heaven same is answer. like... Same answer, mate. <laughs> I don't think heaven is one long episode of Naked Attraction. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so so, so there's the, the tangibility thing that I'm slightly confused by and slightly... Mm-hmm. I, I don't quite understand that. I don't grasp that. Oh, well, I'm not sure I do either. I'm still working it out, really. Well, in the same way, I guess, where people can't grasp the idea of nothing. So we've had this discussion a little Mm. bit before, where I'll talk about what I believe is the outcome of your life, which is death, the end, full stop, nothing. Mm. And and I've often thought that people's problem with that, as we've definitely discussed before, is that they can't get their head around nothing. Mm -hmm. And I think that might have been what led to, if it didn't, it's certainly something I've said elsewhere in my life, that might be what led to the whole dream thing we started speaking about quite a lot, which was, yeah. you know, the best way to imagine it, if you can't get your head around it, is tell me what you did in every hour you were asleep last night. Tell me what happened. Mm. And you can't. You might have had a yeah. dream at some point, but you can't tell mm. me what happened because you weren't yeah. there. It's that, yeah. but all the time. It's a really nice sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't turn over and see the clock at any point. But the second part of it that I did want to say is I think a lot of this is to do with, both of us have actually expressed this, is to do with uh, feeling better ourselves. Mm. So you've said to us, like, you know, like, for example, using your granddad as, as an example, that he went through all that and then it ended for him. Mm. So, so that bit is enough for me. But then you said, and and then he went on to etc. etc. So mm. for me, this is where we differ. It's ended for them mm-hmm. is enough. That is perfect comfort to me. Again, my dad said yeah. this, and I've definitely mentioned it on here, if not here, on Cabin Fever, on my Patreon, or whatever, it, wherever it's been. I've definitely said, and my dad said it a lot. Whenever anybody died who he knew or whatever, he'd always say, mm-hmm. "Well, that's all their troubles over now." Which yeah. I'm not saying he invented that as a phrase, but it, it was certainly a, a tick and <laughs> no, a catchphrase that he would yeah. wheel out when someone died. And the, and it was quite a, it's quite a deep thing to think about that. All their mm. troubles are over. 
Yeah. So everything. And I think... Paying the bills, yeah. everything. And no matter what trouble you have in your life, it stops. And that, for me, mm. is the comfort of finality. I, but I would say, in the physical side of things, ending, that brings me the same level of comfort, even though I believe that then an aspect of them goes on. But I think what I would like to understand is how people who believe that, like we say, heaven is another secondary society with the same rules and regulations. Let's not say oh. heaven, the afterlife. Oh, you know, be those people who who believe that, I think even, you know, certain religious sects like Mormons, you know, believe that the family unit continues after death in heaven. And there's obviously loads of examples of spiritualist believers and, and esoteric or esoterotic writers in the 19th century proposing whole civilizations in different spheres. Then you've got things like the situation in Castaway, where they thought he was dead and then he came home. This is a spoiler, by the way. And his missus yeah. had, had remarried. Yeah. Well, what, if the family unit continues, that's a, this is an admin oh, nightmare. And I've expressed early on, right at the start of this, yes. I don't want admin. <laughs> right? The well, bane that, of my life. I don't want it to be the bane of my death. This. In a cemetery, I know I'm always going to bring it back to cemeteries, mm-hmm. but there's a cemetery in Lincoln where there are two matching huge pink granite obelisks. And they're both two, the first and second wife of this very wealthy man. And they're buried next to each other with the exact same headstones. <laughs> first of all, a little bit tasteless, I think. Yeah. But um, that does make you think, well, if that went on in the afterlife in whatever incarnation, if these people were all sentient, if we were just taken from our bodies, popped into healthy ones in this other realm. Three-way. Three-way. Yeah. <laughs> said it before. Three-way. I'm sorry. As soon as I said it, I thought, oh, God, he's going to say it. <laughs> but, you know, if if that doesn't work out, just, you know, initially, I, I mean, how do you approach that? Are we all meant to go into heaven and go, oh, hello, every girlfriend he had before me? So where's where's the comfort coming from in this? Well, I don't know. I'm just proposing different interpretations of the afterlife. But I, I do think that today we have very different expectations as well from the afterlife in terms of suffering as well, because everything I talk about turns to the 19th century. I was looking through one of my books about the Victorians' ideas of, of heaven and death because I like to keep things cheery. There's one little bit that I highlighted that I thought might be quite interesting, and it was relating to a a girl called Bessie, who was a Darkshire mill girl close to death. And she said that she couldn't bear any doubt that a heaven existed because, and this is a quote, I think if this should be the end of it all, if all I've been born for is just to work my heart and my life away and to sicken in this dree place with the mill noises in my ears forever, I think this life is the end. I could go mad. So I think... In believing of an afterlife, it would help certain people and has helped a lot of people to just continue in this life. Because if something is so bleak... Yeah, if it helps, it yeah, helps. Then to believe that there's respite yeah. to it in the end, not just in the form of it, everything stopping, but in the belief that something continues, then I think it's a really important thing for people to hold. 
We just stopped recording for a moment because there was a big bang in my house. Yeah, is everything all right? Uh, It was one of two things. I knew it was one of two things. It was either the stormtrooper I've been building falling over (laughs) or it was a cinema sign that I put on my wall today Mm -hmm. falling down. I knew it was one of the two things. They're the two things I've done today. And it's a cinema sign. It's an old-fashioned peg sign. Yeah. That's got a triple bill Star Wars Empire Strikes Back Return of the Jedi on it, right? So that's fallen down. Right. Okay, now surprisingly few of the pegs fell out. Oh, good. It wasn't a majority. It was a, a few, quite a few. Yeah. But surprisingly few. Right. Get this. This is genuinely true. I'm telling okay. you now for the first time. Yeah. I collected all the letters up that were all over the table and all over the floor mm-hmm. where it had fallen down, and I've put them back in all the letters. And I need an eye. I need a white eye. That's what's mm-hmm. missing. However, I do have a yellow eye Mm. that isn't missing. (laughs) So there's yellow and white letters on it. Yeah. I've got a yellow eye, but there's nowhere for it to go. And I am missing a white eye. Right. Well, could that be a sign from the afterlife that someone is watching (laughs) over you? Watching over you by changing the colours of your pegboard eyes. Well, let's try to decipher what the code is that they're getting at. I don't know. What is it? So why is it? Why have I got a yellow eye left over that wasn't on the board, Ma- but the white eye that was on the board is now completely missing? Explain maybe, that to me. Maybe it's like your eyes were white, but now they are yellow. Be careful of jaundice. Watch after you. Right. Look after your liver. Well, it's a Star Wars board, so don't forget in Star Wars. But when people's eyes turn yellow, that means they've gone over to the dark side. That's what that means. Well, maybe it's both. It's watch your liver and um, don't go over to the dark side. Maybe it's telling me to go over to the dark side, though. You now have a yellow eye. Use it wisely, young one. (laughs) (laughs) Middle-aged one. (laughs) (laughs) Do you not think there's an element? You know you said about the girl in the mill? Yes. Saying, if life was so awful, she couldn't bear it or something. Mm -hmm. If that was for nothing. Yeah. I mean, there's a. This is my opinion. This is what I think. Mm-hmm. Y- y- yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And some people get lucky. Some people don't get lucky. Some people have a relatively stress free existence. Some people have a living hell. Mm-hmm. But everyone's dead in the end. And that's, that's the end. <laughs> like, it. Yeah. it I think a lot of it is to do with, again, that incomprehension, that idea that, well, this can't... This would be rubbish if this is all there is. And it's like, yeah, well, it is rubbish and this is all there is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that is equally likely, in fact, more likely than admin in the clouds, as I'm choosing to call well. heaven from now on. <laughs> yeah, whereas whereas I would find reassurance in believing that... It, I think believing in an afterlife, in any capacity, by the way, doesn't kind of lessen your concern for people's suffering so well it doesn't lessen my concern anyway for people's suffering in life i think believing that there's something it does some it definitely does some there's people who refuse hospital treatment and stuff isn't there there's religions that oh yeah that's why i'm saying yeah yeah that's why i'm saying me personally because this is our personal beliefs i don't think my concern for people's well-being in this life it's, it's kind of like negatively informed by my belief in an afterlife. But definitely there are religious groups and different belief systems that would, like you say, withhold care and trap people in horrific lives 
or mm. for some doctrine, believing that, oh, well, you know, when the day comes to go to heaven, it'll all be fine, it'll all be worth it. I don't think that that is ever, ever appropriate, is, is ever justified. It can never be justified. Suffering is suffering, even if heaven's amazing and wonderful straight afterwards. Well, a little side point on that, the religions, mm. you know, there, there are religions who, for example, don't allow blood transfusions as one, yeah. as one that's quite well known. Mm. And there is no benefit to that. You no. know, when we talk about oh, what's going on here? What's the little, uh, what's the gameplay here? What's the end game with this? What, you know? So I understand what they get out of passing the plate round. I get all that. But I don't understand what the, the quote-unquote selfish benefit is mm. to not allowing a blood transfusion, to not allowing your members yeah. to continue to survive. Unless, actually, even as I was saying that, there's certain religions where part of their doctrine is that you sign your house over to them and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. so maybe... <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe it is one of them where you sign all your worldly goods over to them early doors and then they want you dead as soon as possible. <laughs> and, and anything, anything at all that's going to prolong your life, that that, that the Lord does not allow that. <laughs> Maybe that might be that. another another episode of Crown Court, though. It could be, couldn't it? It could be. I would have perhaps won my case at that exact moment. I don't know, really. I, I, I Well, obviously I don't know, nor do you. Neither no. of us actually know. But, you know, the, the question really was, what's the comfort? And I think there's comfort on both sides, even though I still don't rightly understand the comfort of somebody carrying on. But mm-hmm. that's because I'm already married to the idea of it's more comforting to think they don't. Mm. That it's oh, everything's over. Yeah. But you're living proof that there can be comfort gleaned from that because you do glean comfort from it. Ergo, it's indisputable. So Yeah, absolutely. As long as we do acknowledge that mine's indisputable as well. But <laughs> I think it's perhaps to do with your... Is the loophole in this? <laughs> uh, to the attitude of the living is what it's about. So I yes. think the thing to come to terms with, potentially, mm-hmm. is acceptance, first off, mm-hmm. understanding of what it means in terms of you either go along with the idea of an afterlife, afterlife of sorts, mm-hmm. or finality but understanding that and putting that into perspective so uh you know as i said both those things i guess can glean your comfort uh, but it, it's to do with how how the living deal with it i think Definitely, and grief's yeah. horrific it's meant to be that's why it's called yeah. grief and it's and the feeling of loss with people the feeling of not seeing someone again all those things the things that catch you late at night and the things that you, you almost can't get your head around no matter how much you think you've got your head mm. around it just yeah. the sadness. It's just the sadness thing, isn't it? So yeah. I think that's perhaps the trick is to is to get your sadness in perspective, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't mean undermine it or, or, or make it less or I tell you who's good at talking about this. Uh Andrew Garfield. You know the actor yeah. Andrew Garfield yeah, who done Spider Man and others and, yeah. and clever films as well. <laughs> Yeah, Andrew Garfield talks about his mum dying tremendously eloquently and mm. and and regularly. You know, he's been on plenty of shows where he's like been crying, and then he explains and says, "No, I'm glad I'm crying. I want to cry. It's important." To, you know, all them kind of things. And I think for for a minute, I thought it's all a bit wet. This is <laughs> you're getting a bit wet here, mate. But then, uh, the more I saw of that, the more I thought, what. What a lad, you know what I mean? What a what a champion person. What a 
what what a, a sense of perspective and what a sense of understanding the horrors of this situation and understanding how you process your emotions with it as well. Mm. You know, I can't really speak higher enough of him, to be honest. Yeah. But he's, he's, he's very good at expressing that and he's very good yeah. at expressing the sad, sadness with joy at the same time. I yeah, think. I think speaking of people who've been very eloquent about death and grief... Oh, don't embarrass me. Oh, sorry, you're going to talk to someone else. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you're always top of the list. You always are. Yeah, you okay. are a great speaker. Um, but who, but... who are you going to say? <laughs> after you... After yes, you, after I would me, say, yeah, yeah. I would say Nick Cave spoke incredibly beautifully about the right. death of his son, that obviously was completely unexpected, a horrible, horrible freak thing, and he wrote it was in the form of a letter to someone else who'd lost someone and got in touch with him, and he wrote this kind of open letter to her about how he deals with his grief, and it was very raw and very open, and dealt with the acknowledgement of just how crippling grief is, just how no matter who you are, it can just kick your legs from under you. And acknowledging mm. that and falling to that sometimes is also a strength in itself. Where to stand on denial? You, you know, we can overthink ourselves sometimes. So you, yes. you know, if, you, if you get into the spiral of that, yeah, is there something to be said for shutting it down in your head? For actually um, just shutting that down or do you believe that like a lot of people say that if you shut something down it'll come back bigger and badder i think yeah i do think i think we're developing better ways to deal with conversations about death at the minute and i think they're really really important for everyone because the amount of people you see their parents die you know their partner dies and nothing has been in place they haven't had that conversation so just from a practical perspective you can be dealing with the horrific grief of losing someone then suddenly not to bring it all back to admin you've got this enormous weight on you having to deal with all this admin all this horrific death admin that just hasn't been spoken about if there's no will there's nothing in place then that in itself can make things 10 times worse than the initial loss itself so I, think... I was thinking more denial in terms of you know how people approach death, bef- not just before death, but how when when you lose someone, mm-hmm. of just squashing that down in your head of just because I tell you something else, and you're mm-hmm. a good person to talk to about this. Mm-hmm. I potentially hypothesize, like I'm, uh, no, I'm going to word this bluntly, and mm-hmm. hopefully my intent with what I'm saying will be clear as not being horrible person. Yeah. I think potentially, societally, mm-hmm. as in worldwide societally, we have made death into a bigger thing than it is. Like a bigger mm-hmm. boogeyman than it actually is. Because it's absolutely happening to absolutely everyone. Yeah. <laughs> right? no, so I'd... there's that. Yeah. That, that's, that's straight away. So that that is just mm-hmm. inarguable, no escaping it, full stop. Yeah. So something that's such a constant in terms of that one day your game is over yes really sort of doesn't carry much to it no in a sense because it's because it's not something you can swerve i suppose you can swerve it for a bit you know you can have treatments or whatever if you're poorly Mm -hmm. or 
you can drive a bit slower. But, you, you know, beyond that, I, th- I wonder if it's been made into a bigger deal than it is. No, I, 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 know, think, you're, I think you're dead on that for a long time, ironically, dead on. Um, I think there's, it's been the bogeyman for for quite a long period of time. I don't think it always has been. I think we've had different relationships with with death and certainly death care. If we're talking about actual interactions with a dying person and with a dead body, for a long time, the family would be there. The family would care for the individual while they were while they were ill, and then they would prepare the dead body for burial. They do all of those rituals and. I think having a far more hands-on and involved kind of interaction and relationship with with the deceased person is something that we lost for a while, but is also being celebrated more now and is coming back in a in a really big way. So I think arguably we have had this horrible separation period, which would naturally come with any kind of industrialized developing country. If we can outsource our grief and our death, we will, because we don't want to deal with it. Because if we don't see it, we can pretend to ourselves that it doesn't exist. So in having someone die at home and then seeing the body, touching the body, washing it, treating it with respect is the way, you know, in the way that you want to, I think is a really important part of the death process that would help with coming to terms with that huge change as well. And I, I think more people are getting involved with that sort of relationship nowadays. Maybe there'd be a perception as well, both a self-perception and perception potentially in others as well, that if you were, if you handled a death exquisitely well, yeah, that you were in some way being disrespectful to the departed. Well, exactly. That's yeah, and that's why we had such a massive funeral industry for so long, because so much. It's like funerals are not for the dead. Funerals are for the living. And it's you've got fair to display enough, your grief. Yeah, you've got to show just how much you're affected, and I think that goes for a lot of people today. So many people would like to have like no funeral, just direct cremation, but yeah. they'll be thinking, "Oh, but the rest of my family might think that I'm being insensitive. My neighbours might think that I'm not doing very well for myself." And this has been a mindset we have had for centuries. You it's know, a knife edge, had, isn't it? Yeah, when people have had several horse-drawn hearses. Mutes, Feathermen, you know, these enormous, big, peak Victorian funerals that then, you know, went down in size because they were seen as gauche and then back again. You know, we're always concertinering with what means wealth and what doesn't. And also what means grief and what doesn't. And today, people will always try and upsell things at a funeral because it still continues to be a massive industry that plays Mm. on your emotions. And your vanity and all. Oh, completely. Every, I mean, everyone but, likes shopping, I suppose. Most people like shopping, so if you can... Oh, I wonder how you do that, right? Because you're either yeah. going to be labelled heartless and condemned, or you're going to turn into Miss Havisham and be condemned as well. Yeah. But like you can't There's, you What can't is the right way, funeral? I'd say, ultimately, the right funeral is what is right for bin. the person conducting bin. them. Bin. <laughs> the bin. <laughs> But, Do you know what? Yeah. That was, my, my dad said that loads. And, and I know hundreds of thousands of people would have said that. Oh, you could put me in the bin. Put me out with the bins when I die. Yeah. And uh, I, I think he meant it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know you can't. Yeah. But I think he meant it. 
And, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, well, I can, what I can say, what I don't have to speculate on, is I, I can say now I mean it. I absolutely mean it. But you can't. You're not allowed <laughs> no. to. No, you can't. You like, can't. No, you can't do it in my bin here anyway, because it only texts that sort of rubbish once every three weeks. <laughs> got recycling every two and food i suppose you could chop me up and say i was food <laughs> yeah but they're, they're tiny little like bucket bins then you know yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah I, I do think that funerals certainly if we say they're for the living if also if the dead plan them and you have to stick to their wishes to the letter if it's in like a will or something like that then you've got the fun all the fun of grief and loss and death now you've got arguments at funerals as to mm. what he would have wanted what they would have wanted oh these were her favorite flower these are her favorite flower you know the there's nothing worse than a disconnected family at a funeral i mean how many families have fallen out at funerals and those fallouts re- remain for for years and years just acknowledge the loss be sad for as long as you're sad for know that regardless of what what is true whether it carries on or it stops either way this rubbish bit which we're all in full agreement on (laughs) that this bit is rubbish so that's done for that person Mm -hmm. you've got to crack on with it for a bit longer and do you know what i think is probably a good thing to say with it is that i I think a good way of approaching grief really is to think is to think of the person you've lost Mm -hmm. expressing your feelings so how you would feel about your loved ones being broken up about your death apply Mm. that to the person who you've lost yeah i presume most people don't want the people left behind as it were Mm -hmm. when they die destroyed by the death you know most people don't want that not me i should say that very clearly (laughs) i want the pitiful amount of mourners at my funeral to be absolutely inconsolable for at least 10 years But I think if you apply that, how you would feel yourself about it, to the person who's gone, mm-hmm. who probably shares that, probably shared that, then you do them a disservice, potentially, by sacrificing yes. your own happiness because of the end of their life. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's very important to keep that kind of perspective. 100%. But I must reiterate again. <laughs> I don't want anyone years. fine about me dying. Yeah, yeah, okay. The only person I want fine about me dying is me. Is you, yeah. <laughs> Can for once I mm. have the prize. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Thank you for joining us if you did join us. Or rather if you lasted this long. I don't yeah. know that I would have done. Again, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's one of them, but It is, it is. It deserved a, it deserved a proper look at it, I think. Yeah. So hopefully somebody else will be able to do that at some point. <laughs> Do you want to do your get in touchy things? Yes. Well, speaking of grief for 10 years, if you've planned your funeral and the terrible lives of your mourners, please do get in touch. (laughs) Wow. And you can do so by... Peak exploitation. (laughs) (laughs) I think think you'll find it's pronounced Segway. Um, You can get in touch via many different means. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Ian Baldsworth or patreon.com forward slash burials and beyond. Lots of death there. And you can find us on Facebook at Loopholes Podcast, Instagram at Loopholes Pod, Twitter at Loopholes Pod, and you can send us an email at loopholespodcast at gmail.com. 
Thank you very much for listening. I've been Kate Cheryl. I've been Ian Bolesworth. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Loopholes is an Infinite Hermit production in association with Burials and Beyond with Kate Cheryl and Ian Boldsworth. Music by Thomas Funderay, produced by Ian Boldsworth. <laughs>